Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the wreckage in East Palestine, Ohio, continues to make news and made big news for Indiana when it was learned that uh, this waste is coming to Indiana. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That's how you get to be a part of the show. There's a... Uh, an area in, in Putnam County, I believe it is, uh, Rochdale, Indiana, where they have a landfill that deals with this kind of hazardous waste. And some of the waste, the cleanup effort of the chemical spill in East Palestine is heading there. And some of it headed uh, down to Texas. Some of it stayed in Ohio. And some of it went to Michigan, as the reporting goes. Now, when when this first got announced, man... My phone blew up. Texts and tweets and emails. It's coming, Indiana. It's coming, Indiana. Yes. Because Indiana has one of these types of facilities that deals with, well, waste. I will tell you that until the story, I didn't know where Rochdale, Indiana was. Until the story, I didn't know that we had one of these Landfills. It's going to an incinerator in Ohio. It's going to a landfill in Indiana. I was unaware. I now know a little bit more than I did just the other day. So far, there is no funny business associated with this. Well, there may be a little bit of funny business having to do with the governor, Eric Holcomb, but not his fault. I'll get to that in a moment. At the first, it just looked like this is just business. I even had people on Twitter, as I've been discussing this, saying to me, hey, I work in this industry. Hey, I understand this issue. This doesn't seem to be a political thing. This is just where you go to dump the bad stuff. And we should be perfectly aware that it's bad stuff. There are doctors going on News Nation, making the claim that there is absolutely a long-term situation here that's going to have to be monitored, not just for one year, not just for a, a, a decade, but for actual decades. This is going to have to be monitored. The thing we always have to look at is whether this is a temporal situation or a causal situation, meaning... Did this happen to just, you know, out of the blue, everyone start to get these symptoms? Is that possible? Yes. But is that probable? No. We think that this is a causal situation, which means that something caused it. Now, what happened there? This toxic spill. That's what happened. So I know we're trying to break this down very uh, in elementary ways, but this is how we have to move forward, because what uh, will happen is that people like the EPA and, and other organizations will say, well, we can't say 100 percent that this is causing all this. But let's just be clear. We're all, you know, logical thinking human beings here. And we know that these people were not having these symptoms. Now, when we talk about headaches, 
We talk about dizziness. We talk about bronchitis. We talk about even uh, serious respiratory illnesses. This is a long-term situation that's going to have to be monitored for not one year, not 10 years, but decades. And So that that is Dr. Corey Hebert, uh from LSU. People are already reporting having bronchitis and other issues. Others have reported rashes. We're told the air is safe, the water is safe, it's fine, it's just fine. There's absolutely nothing going on, ladies and gentlemen. What's wrong with you? Remain calm. All is well. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. There's something to see here. There is an issue here. There is a problem here. We do recognize that. It would be foolhardy to say everything's fine, but that's exactly what we were told. The air's fine and the water's fine. If you have a gas stove, your kid's going to get asthma and die, but if they live in East Palestine and breathe the air, they're totally okay. Same government. Same government, same government that now wants Department of Energy rules that would take 50% of the new sales of gas stoves off the market. Gone. Remember, they weren't going to go after gas stoves. You were silly for thinking they were going to go after gas stoves. They went after gas stoves. Did anybody question really whether they were going to go after gas stoves? Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Do you know the level of ignorant you'd have to be not to think they weren't going to go after gas stoves? Stop it. Now they're doing that while telling you that everything in East Palestine is hunky-dory. It's not hunky-dory. It is a fluid and, yes, dangerous situation. It is what it is what it is. Of course, not enough people admitting it, and I think this doctor is being very clear and very rational. Of course you're going to monitor these things. You had vinyl chloride burning for days, a phosgene going into the air. You did controlled burns of these chemicals because you didn't want the possibility of explosion. Hydrogen chloride into the air. You wonder why people have rashes or... Have breathing issues? That seems strange. That seems odd. And it certainly lets you know why Norfolk Southern and others were working aggressively to try and get people to say, hey, sign this, and we'll test this, and we'll do that, and uh, we'll give you $1,000. You just hold us harmless. I mean, you were in there as, 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 as quick as you could, Trying to get people to give up their rights for a thousand bucks. I mean, that's that's pretty messed up stuff. It's more messed up to tell these people that everything's fine when it's not. There's a House committee now, House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. They're going to open an inquiry into the EPA following the actions here and the, the derailment of the uh, train. They're asking the EPA for a response by March 13th. Documents and communications that that describe EPA's role in responding to the derailment, the decision-making process supporting the controlled vent and burn, the steps implemented to ensure surrounding community safety, and the types of monitoring employed to assess environmental quality. Translation, 
What were you supposed to do? What did you do? What did you say you did? And do the things mesh. I mean, that's it right there. That is it right there. Do I think that the EPA is going to be um, fully responsive? Uh, uh, maybe. But I think the issue is not going to be, well, we did this, well, we did that, well, we did the other. We should be clear that it's certainly a, a, a fine argument that, look, we had this massive spill. We did what we could, but things are going to be bad. It's not like the EPA waves a magic wand and all of a sudden everything's better. That'd be an awkward thing to think and certainly not something that I would think. But it's going to come down to, you told these people things were safe. Were they? You told these people that everything was fine. Was it? You told these people they could drink the water and bathe their children. Yes, bathe their children. That was a story. It was Dana Perino who spoke about that. And Dana Perino, uh, this was the story she told over there on The Five. In the nine o'clock hour, we interviewed the congressman from that area, Republican Bill Johnson. And I asked him, are you are you satisfied with how the Biden administration is doing? And he said, yes, from what I'm hearing on the ground, the federal government is doing what it needs to do. We're getting the resources that we need. I don't know if the problem is at the state level, but with the what I did feel that the EPA administrator understood but doesn't know how to deal with is the lack of trust from the community about the data. Um, he's saying that the tests are saying that it's fine, but the people actually don't believe that. And the people who are there, as you saw from our uh, reporting, they're, report, they're saying that they are getting headaches, uh, they're uncomfortable, or they're, they have children that they're afraid to put in the bathtub. I understood that. When I heard that, because you can get bottled water and drink bottled water, I can understand that. That's an expense, but you can do that. But when the woman said she was afraid to bathe her children, that really struck home to me because... That hits home with everybody. Afraid to bathe your children. How does that woman feel now seeing people with these respiratory issues and with these rashes and other things? You believe that, oh, look, everything we're doing, everything we're supposed to do. I don't disagree. I won't even say that the EPA hasn't done everything it's supposed to do. I won't say that there are government agencies that uh, have somehow been remiss. I'll assume that everybody's done their job absolutely perfectly. And yet we still have these issues. So why did you tell anybody that everything was fine and safe when it's very obvious that's not the case? That's not real. Why would you say that something was okay when it wasn't? That's going to be the question. That's going to be the question. There are people who are reporting unusual illnesses, saying, well, one person said they sound like Mickey Mouse. It's real. And you said everything's fine. No, that's not the case. Something else that's not fine is how this has been responded to. And this has been met with derision. And of course, you saw, for example, you saw... Joy Reed, Joy Reed, Joy Behar. Why are all the joys so awful? Huh. Joy Behar tell the people of East Palestine 
that you, 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 you look at what we did to train safety and it was done under Trump. This is who you voted for. Translation, you deserve this. That has been repeated. Well, the people of East Palestine, they deserve this. Ah, oh, they voted for Trump. Trump caused all these problems. Trump's the one who doesn't believe in safety. You deserve this. How evil these people are. You don't have to ask anymore. You know. You see it with your own eyes. Stop pretending somehow that it isn't there. It is right there in front of your damn face. They hate you. They hate them. They hate them. And there's no humanity. It's gone. Uh, How long have I been warning of what happens when you supplant your humanity with your ideology? What, What do you have left? What soul do you possibly have left? Well, over there on CNN, I do not know the name of this woman. I know she's a black woman because I'm watching the video. And she is well delivering a reality about how to be decent to the people screaming, well, it's what you voted for. And just one more point. For the neoliberals who say that the residents of that area deserve what they, they are getting because they voted for President Donald J. Trump. It is abhorrent. Mm. This is about poverty. This is about poor working class white people who are enduring some of the same things that poor working class black people endure, whether it's Flint, Cleveland, or Jackson, Mississippi. And so I want to lay it out that the cultist behavior in politics right now, it is a sin and a shame that when people are suffering to this magnitude, you got people who will fix their mouths, to quote my grandmother, to say that they are getting what they deserve. What they deserve is clean air, clean food, clean water. They deserve relief, both in the short term and also in the long term. Anybody disagree with that? Anyone? Anyone at all? Bueller? Bueller? Fry? Absolutely accurate, absolutely correct. Joy Behar will never apologize. The ladies of The View will never apologize. The progressives will never apologize because they believe that this is what you deserve. Now, I actually value a part of that argument. I want the political left to live under the rules by which they believe the rest of us should live. And I want them to have to suffer through what it is that they want. I want them to have all of the pain that they want to vote for themselves. The problem is they want it for me too, and this is why I have to fight. The people of East Palestine did not vote for train derailments. And if the argument is, well, Trump did this and Trump did that and Trump did the other, may I ask Secretary Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, what he's been doing for the past two years. Oh, that's right, paternity leave. You had Democrats controlling the House, Democrats controlling the Senate, Democrat in the presidency. You could have changed these rules if you thought they were dangerous. You didn't. Why not? Is it possible you didn't because it would be better if something bad happened so you could blame it on Trump? Once again, Trump, all things Trump, my God. God, you people are weird fetishists. Their safe word is Ivanka. Weird, weird fetishists. It's not all about Trump all the time, you freaks. So the waste is coming to Indiana. Governor Holcomb speaking out. Seeing this now, he's not happy. 
that the federal government is moving this stuff to Indiana, even though this is a dump site that, that deals with these things. He's like, you're going to transport it across the whole state to get to the west side of Indiana? That's, that is weird. He's saying that he learned about this third hand. And his argument is they should go to the nearest facility site. Instead of going from the far eastern side of Ohio to the far western side of Indiana, he wants to speak to the EPA administrator to learn exactly what precautions are being taken in the transport and disposition of the materials. You You didn't tell the governor of Indiana that you were going to be moving these things? Oh, well then let me be the first to apologize to Governor Eric Holcomb if no one told the man, I was I was saying earlier on the morning show, well, where's his comment? They didn't tell him. They didn't let the governor of Indiana know. I continue to object, he says, to the EPA administrator's decision from Washington, D.C. to move hazardous waste from the East Palestine train derailment to Indiana. Further, there has been a lack of communication with me and other Indiana officials about this decision. Oh... Now we're on to something. I'll have updates on this tomorrow, everybody. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So John Kirby, spokesman for the Pentagon, uh, he's taking it on the chin, and, uh, well, he kind of deserves it. Without uh, weighing in one way or the other on origin of, of the virus, you've made clear that there's no consensus. Does the president believe, though, that the reward outweighs the risk when it comes to gain-of-function research? Does the reward outweigh the risk when it comes to gain of research? Say that again? Does the president believe that this type of gain of function research is prudent? He believes that um, it's important to help prevent future pandemics, which means he understands that there has to be legitimate scientific research into the sources or potential sources of pandemics so that we understand it so that we can prevent them and we can prevent them from happening obviously um but he also believes and 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 this is why he wants the the whole of government effort here to understand it um that that research has to be done must be done in a safe and secure manner as and as transparent as possible to the rest of the world so that so people know what's going on so i think that's a fancy way of saying yes yeah, yeah, that was not a great answer. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Uh, Kirby, he he was the Pentagon press secretary, and now uh, he's the coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council. So I always I always forget that he's got the different the different title going on. Uh, I even argue that there's a reason for gain of function research. There's just no reason for it in China. So if you're going to talk about gain of function as fighting pandemics, 
as opposed to the gain-of-function research that created a pandemic, you're going to have a weird conversation with America. You, you sound like somebody who is not connected to the reality. You, you do. You sound lost. For sure. For sure, you sound lost. This is the argument that Biden wants to have. Competent people can do research that is dangerous. We do research that's dangerous all the time, and we're allowed to ask whether or not it provides a real, true, honest value. Allowing China to do this with our dollars is criminally negligent, is ignorant, and anybody who trusts the, the, the communists is out of their damn skull. That's the reality, which is why we need to look more into EcoHealth Alliance and what it is Fauci did in giving them money. That is a must. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. The ESG conversation is one that requires attention. And you know anytime I start with that, then I'm going to dig deep. We're, we're going full on heavy into the subject. Tony Katz, guys, good to be with you. Find everything I do, TonyKatz.Locals.com. This is about whether or not we're having a short-term conversation about a return on investment or we're having a long-term conversation about what that investment actually does to society. This is the way I take it. ESG stands for Environment Social Governance, what it has played out to be is the idea that we only allow investments in certain companies that follow us on an ideological side, as opposed to does the company, does the investment actually bring a return and bring a value? And what is actually better? Are we talking about something short-term for the person who might be utilizing those investments to get a pension, as we see uh, discussions in states like Indiana? Or is this a conversation about long-term damaging effects? Me, I find myself in that latter uh, camp. Let me bring in Andrew Stutterford, and you find his work over at National Review, including what I think is his latest, ESG, More Cracks, in the narrative, you can find that nationalreview.com. Uh, uh, he is an attorney by trade, uh, spending time at both uh, Oxford and in, in Brussels, joins us uh, right now. And Andrew, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I, I want to get as wonky as we need to get, as focused as we need to get on the subject. Let's start with the basics. With the basics, what is ESG? Okay, uh, nice, nice, nice to be on the show, Richard. Thank you, thank you for, for having me. Um, the uh, what what is ESG? What, it, what what that says is the the starting point is that um, when you make an investment, uh, when anyone makes an investment, uh, the, the fund manager that you hire, you know, you put your money out to a Fidelity or a Vanguard or whoever it is, um, uh, the what you expect is that they are going to invest the money to maximize your investment return um, on a risk-adjusted basis. They're not going to want, you know, you're not going to want them to go rolling the dice. But what their job is, for most people, is uh, to make you money. And that's what, they want, that's what you want these people to be, to be doing. What right. ESG, what, what, what ESG does is it adds a wrinkle to that. And what, they, what, what its proponent, what they say is, well, 
when you look at what the companies that uh, that, that, that you hold uh, or an investor holds on your behalf um, or, or is thinking of buying, that they should not only consider is this going to make money, but they should also see how high it scores against various environmental, social, and governance benchmarks. Um, they argue that this, in fact, will improve your investment return over time. And uh, they say the, the old line is uh, you, you, you can do well by doing good. Um, and we could argue forever about whether what they mean by, about what they mean by good, but the fact is that they don't outperform. Um, but the other fact is is that the fees. I mean, they can they do at times for periods, but there's no rule that's saying that they have to uh, to, to outperform. In fact, there's a rule pretty much saying the opposite. And because if, if you have fewer investments to, to choose from, because you're ruling things out, probably by definition you are going to get an inferior return. The other thing is a lot of ESG products, products that are sold specifically on an ESG basis, they, strangely enough, carry a higher fee. <laughs> so the doing good actually costs more money and doesn't necessarily bring a, a, a return. That whole do-good conversation, I, I'm I'm near famous in my own mind uh, for discussing the fact that do-goodery rarely does good. Do-goodery is is the veneer is is the is the front that we put on something for something I, I think rather either macabre or or um, violent in in the background. So yes, I agree with you that what does it mean to do good uh, is is a very very questionable questionable activity. But is there something really wrong with taking a look at your investment in a company, sir? And saying, uh, well, you know what? Uh, one of the things that I, I want to look at, one of the things that I want to see is how they treat the environment. Is that a bad thing for an investor to look at? No, no, not at all. And there, for, for, for many, many, I, I worked uh, in, in, after I finished my lawyering, I, I, I worked in the financial industry for, for, for decades. And the, it, is, it is perfectly common. There's something called socially responsible uh, investing, SRI. It's been around for years and years and years. And, um, the, and again, we could define, you know, we could argue about what that meant. But for example, it is, it is very common for people to say, uh, I, I would like my, uh, my investments to uh, be careful about the environment. Or it's very common, I used to have clients that said that they that they don't want to in, invest in uh, companies that uh, make alcohol or cigarettes. And for, 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 you know, for decades and decades and decades, the investment industry has said, well, we will make products for you if we're not, if we're not buying individual shares, but you're buying funds, we will sell you funds which exclude, for the sake of argument, alcohol and cigarettes. And that's absolutely fine. If an investor wants to take an active choice and to say, um, yes, um, I, I really want you to put a priority on the environment, even if that costs some of my return, that's fine. That's free choice. That's what the market should be absolutely about. What is not right is for people, is managing the investments for people who have not chosen that option. And they, they're just saying, putting their money in their 401k, for example, and saying, just give me a high return. And then managing that money, partly including ESG criteria, 
and claiming that those ESG criteria will make it uh, not only a better world, but a better investment. And when the evidence for that is, to say the least, limited. Isn't part of the issue, talking to Andrew Stutterford, uh, you can find his work at nationalreview.com, uh, and you can also find out more about him at his website, Andrew Stutterford, S-T-U-T-T-A-F-O-R-D, andrewstutterford.com. Isn't part of the uh, issue, sir, that when they are discussing ESG, well, we only invest based on this ESG criteria, that actually what you get is the forcing of companies to do things they wouldn't normally do because you're keeping money from them on an institutional basis, uh, like from a BlackRock or what have you, and that's being done in conjunction with federal government wants and desires. Yeah, that, that is an extremely important point. That that but basically what 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 in and you know you could uh, you can sing, single out company fund manager institutional investor A B or C, but but what what they are saying and they're not you know remember these folks they're not they're not saying uh, we're not going to make you any money but they're just saying that we want th- these things to be taken into consideration and and one of the things that has happened because you have these uh, you know these these very large investors is that they will say to a, they will then go to a company and they will say, and remember they are playing with other people's money in most cases. They're not playing with their own money, but they have the weight of all the money that their clients have, 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 have given to them. And they go to the com- these companies and directly or indirectly what they're saying is, well, if you hang on to that, for the sake of argument, coal mine, then we're not going to be investing in you. And that pressures the company to, uh, to, to act in ways which it may not, not feel is in the best interests of the, uh, of the company and indeed its shareholders. And when we talk about the word shareholder, we need to be quite careful here because, of course, a lot of these big institutional uh, investors are, of course, uh, the, the funds that they manage are legally the shareholders in the company. But the real shareholders are a level below that. They are the people who've invested in the funds and said to the funds, go make me money. And what they didn't expect is for the funds to go off and start laying down the law to the company saying, for example, you shouldn't go into coal mine. Right, when that may be the better uh, avenue for for the company to take. Now, this play has played out, uh, sir, in, in political uh, sides, mm-hmm. right? Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, however you want to see it. In, in my Indiana, my beloved Indiana, this has led to something called House Bill 1008, which according to the author of the bill, Representative uh, Ethan Manning of a place called Logansport, it's about freedom and fairness in financial markets. And Democrats will argue that this is going to cost uh, pen- people who get a, a government pension Billions of dollars, as it's been reported. Which argument, which is the argument that should be made for why on a on a statewide level there shouldn't be this push to investing uh, via these ESG criteria? Well, basically, because the um, and and the question is who's when you, when you talk about state funds, the question is you know. Who, who you're investing for the pensioners, but 
uh, ultimately, are you investing for the taxpayers? Because uh, if, if it's a defined um, benefit scheme and it falls short because the investment falls short of what the tax of what the pensioner has been expecting, he's been promised a pension of such and such. There's not enough money in the till to pay it. Then it's the taxpayer that makes up the makes up the difference. And I think that what the, 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 without commenting specifically on what you're having in in, in Indiana is. The, the basic principle is, is this is public money. This is other people's money. And one of the things that has, has amused me about the debate in a sort of bitter, mean-spirited way about in, in the debate on ESG is when people, such as the people proposing the legislation in Indiana, started pushing back against ESG and saying, hang on, you're, you're, you're to the, these investment managers, you're hired to make money, to, 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 make, to, to make money for... Uh, for, for, for the pensioners, for the, for the taxpayers, not to go off on a political jaunt. And then everyone, then the, the pro-ESG crowd says, well, well, what, what are you, you're bringing politics into an investment decision. And in fact, the reverse is true. What these folks who want to change the, 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 the rules are, are saying is, let's get politics out of it. Because ESG is fundamentally a very political thing. Um, if an investment manager thinks that, <clears throat> for example, that investing in uh, a wind turbine uh, company uh, is a good thing to do on investment grounds, then they should go ahead and do it. And I would encourage them to do it absolutely. But if their reason for doing so is because of the good it might be doing for the environment, that's not a decision for them to take. Right. So uh, this also is getting discussed, uh, talking to Andrew Stutterford. You can find his work at nationalreview.com, where Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida, potential uh, 2024 presidential uh, candidate, uh, he's got his book out, The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for American Revival. So uh, it, it sends you in the direction of what he's thinking politically. And he talks about ESG in the book and saying that it's a movement driven by woke corporate CEO bullies. Uh, is is ESG, in your view, um, a way of trying to dismantle capitalism and the American way in Toto? Goodness. Uh, yeah, well, yes, and what it is. Um, and, and you said I could get into the weeds. Oh, so please I'm... do. Weeds are good. <laughs> so, so, so I'm going to get into the weeds here. No, it, it, it is not an attempt to dismantle capitalism. It is an attempt to rework it. And... Basically, uh, but I do think it's profoundly anti-democratic, um, and uh, that th th it is something called it is an expression of something called corporatism. And what corporatism says is that government regulators, uh, the senior, you know, the, the managers of companies, they get together and they sort of decide in various areas how the country should should be run, and. Um, and to me, that doesn't sound terribly democratic. If, if, if we want, for example, to say that, um, I'll go back to my coal mine, that we don't want uh, coal mines in the USA, well then, the, the, where that decision should be taken is by the legislature. It is, we, 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 we go to vote and we say no coal, coal mine, if a majority say no coal mines, well, that's what happens. It is not up to a small group of people saying, 
which is just a handful of investment managers and some people in the C-suite, probably a few activists and some regulators saying, no, no, every company should shut down its coal, coal mines. And that, I think, I mean, there's a lot of talk about woke and, um, and I understand why people do it. And it is not entirely irrelevant because we do see, uh, and it, it's a slightly different topic, and we do see corporations now throwing their weight about um, on issues which would, what might be called woke. And they shouldn't do it because their job, the, the, the other side of ESG is something called stakeholder capitalism. And stakeholder capitalism. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It says you're not running the company for the shareholders, but you're running it in the greater interests of a rather loosely defined society, which means you can, you can really do any, anything. That is, again, and that is a, again, uh, a, to me, a conversation of, of a very, very aggressive, violent conversation against the concepts of capitalism, never mind the citizen, but it's another conversation for uh, another day. Andrew Stutterford, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. S-T-U-T-T-A-F-O-R-D. You can find his work over at National Review and Andrew Stutterford, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Well, thank you very much indeed. I, I greatly enjoyed it. Same here, sir. Same here. I've got more to get to. This is Tony Katz today. So it's another day and another day where I see an article about how Jeopardy is trying to figure out how the hosts and Ken Jennings, the, the former champion, is going to host this time and Mayim Bialik, uh, you know, from from Blossom, from Big Bang Theory. Uh, she's going to host these times, and people are upset. Well, why isn't it more Mayan Bialik? Why isn't it more Ken Jennings? Can we be clear that Ken Jennings uh, is a jerk on social media to the point where he should never have gotten the job? And Mayan Bialik, who I happen to like, I don't think she's very good as a host. I, I, I saw her do the Celebrity Jeopardy, and I'm like, Maybe it was the celebrities. Maybe it was because it was the celebrities that you just got to really bring things down for them. I was like, oh, no, no. It, it was just, it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. I, I think that these these uh, Jeopardy um, producers, they've really got themselves stuck in this crazed quandary. Two hosts doesn't make any sense. It doesn't actually provide any value. And neither one of them, and I don't like Ken Jennings at all, I like her quite a bit, um, really provide the punch. I need to go back to the drawing board and stop creating this madness. It's, it's weird. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.